As Risa and Celia got to know each other, Celia revealed, whispering, My mother raised me to believe I was a witch. So of course Risa had to get them both on the mic. Here's her conversation with the mother-daughter duo of wildcraft and activism, witchcraft and medicine, Melida and Celia Jimenez on Witches Found. So we've sent the men away with the babies. And we're sitting in the basement of my little house next to the fire with um, my beautiful friend Celia and her beautiful mother, who's Melida, who's agreed to come and uh, tell some stories with us. I'm just going to talk. I'm not necessarily going to use that intro, but okay. <laughs> just so you have something you look at me very skeptical. <laughs> um... Thanks for coming. Thank you for inviting us. Yeah, my Thank pleasure. Thank you for Celia. She say, come. Yeah. And I listen to her. You listen to her. <laughs> um, I wondered if uh, you would start by telling us a bit about your experience as a midwife in Guatemala. Oh, okay. Well, in Guatemala, I went to medical school. So I was... I to be a physician actually mm-hmm. but I have some experiences with the midwives over there and in the, in the highlands where mostly indigenous people live so I have some experiences with them but not uh, me as a midwife right so it's not personal experiences it's through the voice of women that didn't have in these societies that we work vertically and with a lot of rules, they didn't have any education. Mm. But that doesn't mean that they didn't know, mm. right? Uh, because wisdom comes from your inner intuition and your inner knowledge or the knowledge that you have absorbed, not through necessarily through the school or the in university, but actually it is another... Um, knowledge that you receive, you know, the knowledge that put you into small um, frames, Mm. right? So we tend to be round and no frame, but then we go to university and then we put all in frames. Mm. So you do this and that and that. One plus one is two. There is no way that one plus one could be three. It could be. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a mathematician, but I say that (laughs) knowledge is a, a spiral, you know, yeah. and it's different spirals around us. Yeah. And we have our knowledge through our DNA, right? Yes. Through our grandmothers. So our grandmothers is, is on us and we have the blueprint. But the thing is that this connection is that we stop. We stop that. Somehow it was a stop mm. before us too. Mm. When... Um, you know, women's knowledge was um, a cause of um, fear for people. Yeah. In Guatemala, do you see that happening as a process of colonization? Yes, for sure. Yeah, we we adopted the, the way of thinking of the colonizers. Mm-hmm. We all colonize one way but on another. Mm-hmm. I was growing up in the city 
not in the countryside, but the, the, the colonization is in everything that we do and uh, we learn. Mm. You know, the religion, the education, the way of society is, is um, organized. The power, you know, you listen to your dad. So the, 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 the family is the reproduction of the society. You have to listen to your dad or your parents because that's the same way you listen to your president or prime minister or whatever. Mm. You cannot say nothing against that power. Mm. At what point did you start to think about wanting to be a doctor and then wanting to work with midwives? I don't know. I think I, I, first of all, I didn't want to be the same way that my sisters were. Mm. Somehow, I don't know, maybe came out of me like I did. I was in opposition on everything that they told me. Mm. But I wanted, um, I wanted to do more. Mm. Maybe more than a random intuition that tap, I tap into it. Mm. Or, you know, the, maybe the same wish of um, helping people. Mm. Trying to bring health in a deceased place. Kind of that, mm. I guess. Did you have um, a strong female role model when you were growing up? Yes, I think so. You know, it's it's. I think it's the way we were trained in this man-driven society, right? Where women's roles are only in the put in the kitchen. Mm. But the kitchen is so powerful. Yes. Right. So it depends how you see the kitchen. You know, if you see as a subservient place where we cook eggs, it's different. Yeah. But if you see a gathering of information, yeah. it's different. So our mothers were created with the same. So they have to pass that on us. And they just do as they were informed. Mm. But within that context, if you put in another context, it's a, a special a special place mm -hmm. right in the kitchen i guess would also be a place where you would start to learn about uh plants yeah well you know one tea for here the other tea for there mm. and yeah yeah so um yeah i think all the relationship with our mothers is very important mm. and has been destroyed by this uh, male-driven society as well right mm -hmm. um and that thing that is another in our societies are deceased when daughters are not with their mothers mm -hmm. because we were separated before for something mm. with, this, with our same mother mm -hmm. but she didn't know better um, so I guess um, what I'm trying to say is that even my mother was very smart mm. she didn't finish school but she was smart mm -hmm. she was a um um, a business woman who really? she, yeah, she, uh, for her, she created the wealth that we have in my, um, country because she worked. Mm. So she was very inventive and she was, was a worker and she, you know, she used her uh, sewing machine. She was sewing things at night, doing the things that women do in the, the, during the day. But she, I think she was 
the one who influenced me to do things, even that she said not to do it. Really? <laughs> <laughs> and um, can you tell me some of your experiences working with birth? Yeah, so I I went into medicine to work with women, mm. right? I went to medicine in order to give um, to be a healer, mm. not a mainstream practitioner. Mm. That it was not understood in many ways because I didn't give med- medicine. I didn't give the prescription to go to the pharmacy. Mm. I was sometimes recommending herbs, right? Something just listening to people mm. and. F- for others, I was not a real doctor. I was kind of... Even though you had studied even and you I were a studying. doctor. Yeah. But I was interested in morning women health because there is a lot of myths and a lot of oppression for women's sexuality, mm-hmm. right? Um, in Here in this society, what you call liberation of women is as well. Mm-hmm. So how to learn to love your body instead of hate your body, mm-hmm. how to understand the cycles of your body and understand them and love them. Mm-hmm. So you cannot have love out if you don't have love in, mm-hmm. right? So that was my intuition. No, I didn't probably say it in that words, but that was kind of intuitive learning Mm. more like the books, more like the experience for women, more like um, organic Mm. learning. Mm. And I think that's what I went... When I came to Canada, I was more interested in something more organic, more the relationship, not the patriarchal way of I am your caregiver and uh, you have to say as I say. Mm. Because I always... I don't know if I know. Anyway, mm. so you had when you come to me, you had to do your part as well. You had to know mm. because um, I'm not your mother, mm. <laughs> and you have your mother within you. Mm. So you had to learn by yourself as well, mm. right? But the other way of learning, which is accept that we have all this power in us, that we had to tap into it. And then we have our own medicine, right? And if you could give advice to women listening to a podcast like this, maybe women who don't have uh, spiritual roots, don't have a plant knowledge, maybe Western, young, millennial girl trying to find a connection to something that's not not the Catholicism or Mormonism of her parents. She's looking around. She's looking at witchcraft for something like this. She finds a podcast like this. Do you have advice for a woman like that for how to connect with this uh, DNA, this mother that's inside of her? I think we have to stop and listen. I mean, we are so bombarded by the TV and the radio and the, the songs and this and that. You stop. Five minutes, mm. and really just be yourself. I think it, it is in us. Mm. I think how to get discovered is with listening to us. You know, the smells. We smell. Mm. We, we, because we are creatures, we are animals. We smell, accept the smell. Mm. It's not bad. It's just different. Right? So the smells, the, the, 
the the textures of our skin accept our bodies love our bodies mm. um, because femininity I learned when I was little that smells that is ugly that ooh and then we learn that and then we have to dislearn that mm. maybe beauty is not what is shown to us in TV beauty is us mm. right so we all have different faces different noses different lips eyes but there's beauty too mm. yeah I think in another way to connect as well is uh, dirt like so even if you live in the concrete jungle and you don't you can't just walk outside and have dirt but get a pot of plant and put your hands in the dirt and don't worry about the dirt under your nail but just connect to that and and then use those minutes to connect to mm. just a simple potted plant but if you can't go outside then take your shoes off mm. and walk in the dirt and see how that feels and what feelings come about when you're doing that do you remember your mom teaching you to do that Celia um yeah she, well I think she would always tell me to go outside. I, I remember getting really angry and we had a box of old plates. And she said, if you promise to clean these up, you should just go throw them at the wall <laughs> and release that anger. But yeah, I think as I, I think you said I was a few months old. You took me camping for the first time. I was wondering why I had such a strong connection or desire to want to be outside. But you always brought me outside. You always brought me in the summers camping or... Yeah, and I, I guess I could see the difference in you and and Puppy of how much calmer they were when we were in nature. And just to be able to... You breathe differently, you know? You mm. really connect differently. Did you have experiences with your mom in nature, or were you really city? I was city. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, no, I don't. No. And, but were you drawn to that? Did you find it on your own? Yeah, well, in, in other times where we're more... It's, everything is relative, right? So yeah. we went out to play mm. to the street. To the street. And then when summer was there, there was a lot of plants, and then it was a little, a little mountain, and we went there and play all day. Mm. You know, at night you just saw somebody calling you. But I to go back. Still, like, I mean, in the 60s or 70s, like, when you were growing up in Guatemala, there was still, like, it was less urban. Yeah, than yeah, but behind my house, there was a little mountain okay. with a lot of um, flowers and used to go and play there. Did you have an experience, or what's your earliest memory of an experience of maybe something magical or spiritual or an experience where you felt connected to something divine if you use that word do you remember an experience like that yeah i remember now that you say i was walking in that little path because it was not completely built so it had our little house and it was a little mountain a little just and the path and uh, i wanted to call all the Ladybugs. Mm. <laughs> so I say to myself, if I listen, if I sing to them, they're coming. And they came. Wow. They were like, oh my God. And I say to my, my little cousin, I say, I have magic. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
I knocked over the fire poker. Um, I think Celia, when when I told her about my podcast, she told me that you told her she was a witch when (laughs) she was little. Do you remember doing that? Yes. And why? Because we are. Hmm. Right? I think we are. Witches are good. It's it's just the patriarchy that put witches in a bad place. We are fear of that. I think if you're a woman, you're a female, you're most that's likely to accept the fact that you probably are. So Halloween was a special occasion <laughs> for being who we were. <laughs> <laughs> How do you celebrate Halloween? Uh, so it, everything is, is so intuitive. I, it was not, um, uh, you know, uh, I didn't that a plan. So the thing is, okay, you have to dress as a witch. Hmm. And she said, I don't want, well, it's the only day that you can dress <laughs> Get into it. <laughs> and then by the end, she accepted the fact that she was. <laughs> well, you would, you would also sit me at the table and, and tell me I'd have to move the envelope with my eyes. And you'd be like, Celia, you just have to do it. Just try. And I'd say, I can't. Well, you just have to keep trying. <laughs> <laughs> you probably just wanted me to... Stay there. So Stay just... still. <laughs> <laughs> Celia, do you have a memory of feeling like you were connected to, or had had magic, or were connected to the divine? Or it's funny because you asked my mom, and I, I thought of something, and now I I just I just forgot. But there was a few times. Um, the most recent one that really stands out, and I I guess. Yeah, it really stands out. Was uh, I was in India maybe a few years ago, and um, we had just done a, a yoga journey, and the class had kind of filtered out, or maybe it was even after a talk. And I was sitting in the middle of this room, looking out the window, and there's a tree, um, and there was this little river, and there was these. Uh, people walking with their their donkeys in the river and it was just really peaceful and then this bird landed on the tree branch um and then it was I don't know how to explain it but there was no longer a wall and there was no longer a window Mm. and I was no longer apart from the tree I was now the bird that was on the tree Mm. and we were just one and that bird was my grandmother and she was singing to me and it was as if everything else had faded and we had just become one. And that same feeling I kind of held on to when I was pregnant and in the hospital and I was doing a lot of meditating and the same, like, I would just picture birds and they were my grandparents and they were coming to me. And so that was something that really connected. But that's just like the, the latest one. I know that, yeah, when you were talking, I thought of something from when I was younger and I... Well, when we were we walk in the in the in the forest, and I always say, "Look at all the um, little fairies that are with us walking." Yeah, there the there's the I don't know what the mushrooms are called, but they're the the white mushrooms that they grow on the tree, um, and a lot of the times they're on like the dead fallen over trees. I can't remember the name right now, uh, but yeah, my mom used to say that these were the houses of the fairies, and so since the young age that we would go into the forest, it was always. Uh, respecting the houses of the fairies and 
just respecting the forest because it was the home of the fairies. Hmm. And did you, did your mom teach you, um, about plants? Yeah. Um, it was quite a long time ago. I, um, I think I, I don't remember what I wanted to start making, but my mom, she tried to sit me down and show me how to make a simple infusion, a simple plant infusion. Um, and I thought it was so silly that in my sketchbook I wrote, uh, like, Muppet-style infusion. Like, I didn't take it as serious knowledge. I took it mm -hmm. just as a, as a joke. And I remember her explaining to me, it was a calendula infusion, um, and she was explaining to me the properties of calendula and why infusing it and how to infuse it and for how long, etc. So I wrote it all down. Um, and it wasn't until a few years later when I actually found out that it was a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> and you can really extract the power of the plant through this extraction that I thought was a simple joke. But um, when I was 16, we had went to... I went with my mom to Guatemala. She had met in the Philippines. You had met another midwife uh, that was from the United States that owned a clinic in a small town in Tigua out of Guatemala, and she wanted to take a break. So my mom went there to take over the clinic, and I went with her as a 16-year-old. And she had... Was it there that you, you took a course of plants? So that was in Mexico. Maybe. That was in Mexico. But, um, yeah, there was, like, I remember we went to different communities. Panajachel, I think we went mm -hmm. to, to. We went to visit a group of midwives, uh, indigenous midwives. My mom was just, I guess, showing them maybe more sanitary ways of practicing. Um, and, uh, yeah, there was, like, different... I remember there was like teas and they were more herb based and so and even going there as a child being sick uh, my grandma would just make you uh, make me teas what's the plant it's like a purple flower um, they grow everywhere jacaranda ha no not the jacaranda it was in Guatemala that they're like more fuchsia very thin oh bombilia bombilia and so that was really good for like bronchioles and so she would make me tea out of this because I guess in Guatemala, you're more connected, I mean, maybe back then as well, hmm. more connected to the plants than we are now because we're so removed. Yeah, we don't see a lot of plants. I mean, we do because we live out in the woods. <laughs> but day to day in the city, you don't yeah. see a lot of plants. I wonder if we could, we'll take the, the spiral pattern and I won't... Uh, beat myself up for not asking you to start with this, <laughs> but we'll loop back around. Would you give like a brief uh, introduction to your work, like kind of a short maybe biography? Because there's so many pieces now that I'm hearing that I didn't know about. All I mm. know is the little bit about starting uh, clinics for women in Toronto and in Guatemala. But Oh, well, I am a midwife. Yes. I went to um, university at Ryerson the midwifery program so I have 20 years of practicing um, midwifery in in Ontario is practicing different even probably from Quebec I think mm. um, because in Quebec it was to have a, um, a home a baby at home was illegal until right. many some years that was uh, legislated as legal right, right. so um 
I practice in Toronto and I um, I help women to have the babies wherever they play they wish to have it. Mm. So we do babies at home and, and at the birth center and in the hospital. Um, just to interject, what I think is something that she's not mentioning uh, was in Guatemala, so she did go to medical school and she became a, a physician. Um, and instead, she had the choice to practice uh, medicine, I guess, with more uh, higher class. But instead, she chose to work with the indigenous people and help heal them. She chose to go that route. So not getting paid more, but getting paid less mm. uh, to help them. I think that I think that's really important. Yeah, I think that's kind of important. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, is that I, I am resisting authority. Mm-hmm. So therefore, I am against authority. Mm-hmm. And when you are against authority, sometimes you isolate yourself as well. Mm-hmm. But why I say that is because... Um, Medicine is um, a vertical, um, um, it, wor- it, it works in that way, mm-hmm. where uh, physicians are the one who said how to do it, mm-hmm. you know. And knowledge has to learn in that scientific way, but we really don't know what is scientific way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the experiences, the organic experience, the experience for ancestral people is there it has been always there mm-hmm. and somehow we forgot and we de- deny that that this is the past it's people that didn't even know now we had to have confidence in the new knowledge and the new ways of uh, healing people mm-hmm. without thinking that the big pharma mm-hmm. is the one actually who is di- dictating the the doctors to to heal and and mm-hmm. but it's not healing. It's the big pharma who is actually saying what pill we should take and what pill we shouldn't take. Yeah. And that knowledge that all the all the societies and all the cultures have, it's time to recuperate that. It's time to use that. It's time to say this is the knowledge. This is what women well we human we are going to survive this time that we are consuming the earth right so this is this is the one that we have all we have to tap into it and rescue and do it yeah and 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 let the big pharma out of our lives which is actually putting us into more sickness Mm -hmm. than anything because one pill have so many secondary effects then you have to take another pill to take in the, for the secondary effects. And there's people that have like 10 pills, one for the other for the other. Yeah. But in the first place, you probably didn't need one. Yeah. Right? So in order to heal us, heal our bodies, heal Mother Earth, we have to start acknowledge that the knowledge that always been there is valid. And we have to take it. And we have to use it, mm. and we start to spread it. Do you think about um, the best ways for people to connect with Indigenous knowledge? If we're, for example, in Montreal, in Toronto, 
how do we how do we make those connections in a way that's like useful to indigenous people and not just us sort of taking now that we've decided it's well i think we had to decolonize ourselves Mm. only with decolonizing ourselves we can really be brother and sisters Mm. but we are not right so if we come to the way that it has been always i come for the knowledge and i will use it that is a very bad step that we are going to do right so but we all have different ways of learning as well not necessarily you had to go through that take it away and then you use it as yourself yeah right that seems like a good way to get sick too <laughs> yeah so um and that i think we had to really analyze all everything that is here that mm. we end up with yeah. sometimes we are responsible so we are the cause but mm. we are here yeah. and we had to decolonize ourselves mm-hmm. but even that i think is interesting so like the idea of uh, owning or not owning whereas like maybe a culture has been using uh these certain plants and so it says that we're maybe appropriating them from them um but then you think about like uh, so to tapping into a higher conscious or to tapping into the divine and Usually, it's not just one person that will get an idea. It'll be many people that will get the idea in different parts of the world, and then things just happen to to evolve the same way. I think it's, yeah, it's just about being connected to that divine Mm. and understanding that the creativity is coming through you. And so when you're getting to know plants or when you're getting to know anything, it's coming through you. And it's not you who created it. You don't own it. You're just... A vessel for it to be expressed and I feel like maybe a lot of people can say something that like they own this idea but it's it's not it's many people have been have been given this idea mm-hmm. at the same time yeah yeah so how the feminine we have to rescue the feminine part of these stories and the history and everything mm-hmm. you know Women, um, even to cultivate, you use the different moons, mm-hmm. you know, in different parts of the moon, you cultivate different things. That's part of rescue, the knowledge that being always there. Yeah. Or talking with the plants before you take away, yeah. right, to the spirit of the plant. Yes. Because then you not only heal your, your biology, you heal your spirit. Mm-hmm. You know what's cool about that was when I found out, the day I found out I was pregnant, so I was in northern Alberta, uh, tree planting, and um, I had just come back into camp. Well, I was, I'm the cook for the tree planting camp. So I'd come back into the camp, and no one was really there, and I was, you know, so many different motions, like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this is real. And walking into the forest, um, no, wait, sorry, back one step. I didn't know I was pregnant. This is the day before I found out I was pregnant. And I started just, because uh, this is when I do a lot of my harvesting was in northern Alberta, and I was uh, just all of a sudden my eyes were just recognizing all the the raspberry, the raspberry leaves. The raspberries were not yet, but there were just all these raspberry leaves. And I just started harvesting all the raspberry leaves. And then it was the next day I found out I was pregnant. And so then I went back to that same area and I took my shoes off and I thanked the plants as if they were telling me because 
raspberry leaf is very good for your uterus mm-hmm. to really uh, strengthen it. And so wow. it was as if knowing without knowing that, yeah, we were all connected. It's funny, I was going to say when you were talking about um, seeing the birds when you were pregnant and seeing them as your ancestors, I had a really similar, really strong moment of that. I, I had pre-labor um maybe uh, like three weeks before I went into labor I had a night of um, contractions and I didn't wake up Mark who was sleeping beside me and I was in my mother's house and I woke up in the morning and there was a cardinal on a there was a tree blowing and blowing in the wind and it was covered in yellow leaves and then there was a bright red cardinal and it's my grandmother's favorite bird and she's alive, but I knew I was going to name the baby May after my other grandmother mm-hmm. and after my grandmother's mother. And it was just, and I just knew everything was okay and they were there and they were watching and it was just the, the image of the wind in the trees was like very soothing. It was like, this is what's going to happen in your body. Mm-hmm. Mm. Do you want to um, tell us any stories that might come to mind about when I ask you about birth and magic? I think birth is magical. Me too. You know, it's every woman has a different experience. And the baby comes in different ways. Sometimes it takes a long time. Sometimes it takes a short time. And, but it's, it's magical. You know, we all, and some babies are so different from others. Some, when you see a baby, this is an old soul that look into your eyes and say, wow, been here before. <laughs> so, um, there is um, always um, a different scenarios, but... Um, very spiritual. Always? You know? Well, it's, it's a raw moment. Mm. You know? It's where you are who you are. You know how to pretend. You you are laboring. You have to be yourself. Mm. If you pretend, you will never have that baby. Mm. Because you are not yourself. Mm. So, that rawness, that moment of rawness, then you are yourself and you are giving birth. When you are opening or your hole is opening and you are burdening a baby, you're burdening the mother as well. Mm. So it's very special always. And that's what I want to keep, mm. right? Because there is there is a fine line between life and death. It's a very fine line. And we are afraid of death. But death happens. And it's sad. But it happens. And we blame the people when death happens. But I don't know. There is something major things that we don't understand. I think we humans don't cannot understand. And there is always the why and the who. Mm-hmm. And who is responsible. Mm. But I think that is there is more things in there that you don't understand. Yeah. You remind me of a 
story I just heard about a, a seeker who goes to a very wise Buddhist monk and asks him to tell him about the afterlife and is there an afterlife? And the monk says, I don't know. And the seeker's like, well, I thought you were supposed to know everything. I thought you were a Buddhist monk. And he was like, I am, but not a dead one. <laughs> <laughs> we just don't know. I was um, snowshoeing with my mom on the lake this past week, and she got really, really afraid. And she she froze up, and she or we were skiing, and she told us, she was afraid of death, and she really struggled to keep going. She said she's very, very afraid of death. What would you say to someone who's very afraid of death? I think we all afraid. <laughs> Just deal with it. <laughs> we all afraid because we don't know. We, we are afraid of things that we don't know. Yeah, of course. And there is so many stories about what could be. Could be like it's nothing. Yeah, that could be one. Yeah, it's nothing. You could be in the uh, earth. You can be just nothing, yeah. but then you, you then you think more. So how about all the knowledge that I have? Mm. How about the things that I where, where do I stop there? Mm. Why we have to maybe that why we don't have to st uh, start from zero? There's all this knowledge in in the universe. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think. Um, it's the other, the only thing that we do ourselves for us, like nobody comes with us. Hmm. The only thing we do alone. The only thing that we do alone. Hmm. Maybe that's that too. Hmm. We had to pass through that threshold, and we have to. There is no way that we don't. Yeah, and in a way, it's the uh, only thing that everybody does besides birth. <laughs> Yeah, so, so we, we do it completely not alone and completely alone. Mm -hmm. So and I, I think it's grateful. Mm -hmm. But you you see, there is some um, the Tibetan way of the Tibetan way of death. There is a book that mm -hmm. is that, and the the whole purpose of the Tibetan monks is to be prepared to die. Mm -hmm. So the all all your life is to be prepared to die. Well, when you're born, you're you're born with your hands clenched, right? When you die, you release your hands. So why not release your hands before you die, you know? Like, instead of always gripping on to that fear, mm -hmm. just, like, I find that whenever you do something that you're afraid of, it's usually the best experiences. Mm -hmm. So just, like, open your hands more often in the day, like you're walking around... Maybe you're clenching your jaw. Maybe mm. you're clenching your fists. Just open. Yeah, I'm constantly clenching my jaw. I notice it all the time, especially since I had the baby. I've, I all of my fear is in my jaw and in my, the top of my neck. Mm -hmm. There's so much fear with being a parent. It's fear to be alive. Yeah, fearful. Yeah. But everything has because it has imposed on us. Mm. It's the patriarchy way of thinking that we are afraid of. Mm. You, you don't know? think there was you were going to be punished fear? constantly. So something bad is going to happen to you. So you have to be afraid of mm. anything. Well, what was interesting, I was um, so like in the turn of the 20th century, uh, before there was doulas, there was just a group of women, whether it be your friends or your family or people that lived in the area, and they all came to your birth to support you, not to get payment, but just so that rep like so that when they were in labor, they would have women support them. And it, 
they would be with them throughout the whole labor. And then at the turn of the 20th century, then more physicians started getting involved. And so the doctors recognized that the women needed these women there to support them. Uh, and then once the baby was ready to come out, then the doctor would come in and deliver the baby. But it was always, it always had that struck that the women, the support mm-hmm. that they needed. And then in 1930, so within 30 years, like the majority of births got moved to the hospital. And then just, so removing the woman from her, that power and the group that they had, just excluding her. And yeah, if you think about birth and how powerful it is, and how, Mommy, you said, like, it's a whole opening. And you think about the divine, and it's like, literally, someone is coming out of you. Mm-hmm. This whole other being, this whole other spirit, someone that is going to think maybe completely different from you. It's like a portal. We're a portal. So, yeah, we're witches. Mm-hmm. We're like these women that can be, if we would like to be, just like portals of, of more people. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty powerful and amazing. And Maybe that should be like that too. <laughs> Maybe and then, is. you know, that like you have people that loves you when you're in your bed dying. You're not in a hospital mm. with people that don't know you and don't love you. Mm. And then you are with your people and then maybe it's less fearful. Well, they, mm. they do that, like death doulas. Beautiful idea. Mm-hmm. Um, we did an interview um, recently and uh, one of the ideas that came out of the conversation one of the women there was a trans woman and she was talking, she said the idea of fertility is really important to her. Um, it sort of is this threshold in a way that physically she can't cross. She can't become physically a woman and give birth, but she wants to, she sees her power and her magic as giving birth to herself, giving birth to who she truly is, you know? And uh, my co-producer, Amy, talked about, you know, for medical reasons, birth isn't an option for her. And she feels the same way, like making her art, giving birth to her, her true voice as a musician, as a storyteller, as an artist, is her fertility. Um, and I feel like there, there's a way in which we talk about, um, womanhood and birth that can sometimes exclude those other kinds mm-hmm. of fertility mm-hmm. and how do we include how do we make more inclusive magic i guess and more inclusive sisterhood and mm-hmm. more inclusive maybe witchcraft well like if they could if we still had that support system maybe if they would just still be there and mm. come with you and not, not all women want to have babies as well that's yeah. it right so the there is people that don't want to do it, mm-hmm. people that want to do it, and yeah, there is, there is, a, um, it's not white and, and black, it's, mm-hmm. it's a whole different colors where femininity, f- feminine and, and fertility is in this mm-hmm. rainbow, and use it in different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how the, you know, we're all feminine, masculine, we all have these, like the yin and yang. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's really beautiful to think of, like, 
uh, creativity being like being a vessel of creativity coming from the divine so whether or not you can uh, give birth um, or want to or want to give birth but just being connected like yeah th there's more ways of magic than and there's more ways being witches than mm -hmm. yeah I think having a circle of women or a circle of uh, not just women, yeah. people. Um, I think also helps for when we are decolonizing ourselves. You know, we can have those conversations and see each other reflected and come out of this black and white. Mm -hmm. so or the dual men the and women. We, we don't know that. Mm -hmm. It was imposed on us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because when you look at babies, they're not... They don't make that concept. They don't. They don't have that concept. Mm -hmm. And so many babies are somewhere intersex. You know, we're starting to talk more about the fact that the XY chromosome and the whatever this division into two categories is also just for the simplification of uh, Western science mm -hmm. a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask more what you. We've talked about the idea of the divine. Do you have a idea, a picture of the divine? Do you relate to the idea of divinity? Do you think there's a god? What is she like? <laughs> <laughs> what is she like? Um, I think that is a divine, mm. or many divines. To start with ourselves, we are, we are God. Are we? Mm. maybe yeah. we are and we project ourselves I think because we feel okay when when we don't think uh, as the world as magic we are in a very planned way of living so then oh we are afraid we can say somebody more than us have, have to help us create things mm. when you past that and, and, and think more about magic probably you are the one who are the god that you think is out there hmm. or maybe it is right? I, I don't know it's sometimes you feel connected and you say yes and sometimes you feel disconnected and you don't know and I think it's good to have that not not to really to, to be um, completely yes I believe in this because you, you are uh, free to have doubts hmm. as well, right? You have to hold yourself to an idea. Um, the thing is that we were conquered and colonized by one, the conception of one God, and this God is, um, is male, mm -hmm. right? And that passed over generations through generations to the point that you are not questioning that anymore. Mm -hmm. Or if you do, it's like, what's going on, right? Mm -hmm. But there is many people that have always questioned that, and the, the different divinities, the different gods and goddesses that are in, in different cultures. So, because the, the, the earth and the universe, the cosmos is so amazingly big that we have to have explanations for what's going on, right? So, even the the astros, the sun and the moon, they are 
goddess and goddesses in many, many cultures and many civilizations. Um, yeah, but I think if I think you're a god, you're a goddess, <laughs> right? So if I think you and I and everybody has them, then it's mutual respect. Mm. Then it's instant love, mm. and then we all in the same way and the same frame, and we are not um, different from one another. All only our paths are different, mm. but we go to the same conclusion. So sometimes I think that it's a god and a goddess. I thinking more in a goddess than God because it's. It's more the warm and the femininity of the goddess, mm. right? So I think that is a god, but you know, it's, it's the god, the goddess that brings you light, but then it destroys you too. So it's the two things. Mm. So, um, probably it is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm not a dead monk. Um, can I ask you a follow-up question and videotape the response? Because we were invited to do a live episode of the podcast at a agnostic conference. And they asked us to do um, an episode on the topic of the divine feminine. And so we're asking all of our interviewees between now and May if they if they will let us film them talking about what they think is the divine feminine or what they think about the divine feminine if that means anything <laughs> you think about it while i get ready mhm mm well the thing is like i don't know if i have the how do you say the authority okay you know it's it's i think it, i i i I have more like intuition, more than authority. But then I am thinking about patriarchy again, right? Who, who has put that in my mind to have authority or not? Right. Right. <laughs> so I think the feminine inside all of human beings, which mm -hmm. is not only in the female body, but in the male body in all the spectrum of bodies, mm. that is that divine feminine in all of us. And why is feminine? Because maybe feminine is more linked to um, love and the power of love. Mm. That's what I think, right? Um, maybe because it's the creation that we can create with our hands, our heart, with everything, and um, maybe because we refer to our earth as a mother earth, because it's everything that we have. Um, so what was the question? What is the divine feminine? I think it's us. Hmm. We all perfect do you want to do it okay okay <laughs> as the 
divine feminine. Um, I see earth and humans and every living thing connected. We're all one. Uh, the trees, the water, everything. So if you take a step back and listen, really listen, uh, we are one. And so in being one, we tap into this higher consciousness that we're all tapped into. Uh, so we connect to that divine of, of unity, of one, of singularity. And we can pull out the creativity from that, from each other, because we are all one. So within that, we connect to it. We are the divine, because we are all one. Time is not linear. Time can move backwards and forwards. And so when you look for whatever you need, it's always there. Whether it be love or strength or wisdom, it's always there. You just have to listen. Um, is there anything I should have asked you? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know. Are there any um, stories you can think of that your mom should have told me? Oh my god, there's so many. <laughs> What? <laughs> um, I guess for me, what stands out a lot. Um, so when you asked her, like, if she had any role models, I would say your grandmother, because you used to tell me so many stories that she would tell you stories. And I, when I think about someone that was your role model, it was your grandmother. Mm. Um, and then yeah, you talked about your mom being a businesswoman. So she, she had a bunch of uh, stores like. Uh, convenience store Depenars and uh, my mom would like wait and would be with her mother so your grandmother um, and so seeing women in power you know like your grandmother taking care of you and your mother working uh, I think that's a huge uh, yeah that's something that yeah it's huge yeah um, I just forgot what I was going to say right after that um, because I've realized that, that yeah, I think my, my, one of the things that impacted me about my grandmother is that she had um, her husband and he had another lover hmm. so she let him hmm. like no more no I don't want anything and she um, you know um, have her kids by herself no help from anybody wow and she said no not to that so I learned that a good relationship is the one that you respect yourself first. Wow. And I think that impacted me. Yeah. That she was not in middle terms. She said, no, because you did that and that's it. Yeah. What strength. Yeah. In that time. Yeah. That one was strength. Yeah. And she and raised courage. her kids by herself. Wow. Mm -hmm. And I think another thing too is uh, you told me that when... Uh, you and Bobby were to get married, uh, it was mostly just for immigration. Like, you wanted to be married before you immigrated, but also you say, when you're not tied to me, if you want to leave, the door is always open. And you can no, I didn't, I didn't get married in the church because I didn't believe in that. Mm. 
and even then my I was raised by that, but everybody got divorced. So I say to him, like, no, why? You want to leave it? You leave me by one to leave. You know, and then we ask our friend just to do it by for everyone, mm. but not to pass the papers through. Hmm. But they're still married. But they're still married. <laughs> You, my uh, cousin and her husband promised to stay together as long as they made each other happy. And then they will part if they aren't happy anymore. That's good. That was their, those were their only vows. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they still check in every year to make sure they still want to be together. So there's a freedom and a choice. I think it, is. it should be, isn't it? Yeah, instead of a, a fear, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I want to save this before <laughs> we go, just in case. Um, do you want to, do you have any last closing messages for our listeners? Well, I'm really, thank you for interviewing us. <laughs> My very much pleasure. I think we were from one place to another because it's it's uh, just to talk about life is life is so complex, right? Yeah, and we were not specific, which is good as well. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up because I can hear them upstairs. They're back. Thank you so much. Mm, thank you to you. I feel more. Uh, I feel less afraid. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Missing Witches podcast. Be sure to come back Sunday for our final Missing Witches episode of the season where we'll hear the pros and cons of problematic powerhouse Zhuzhana Budapest. We'll be back next Wednesday with another Witches Found and a very special Beltane episode on May 1st. In the meantime, be sure to like, subscribe, follow us on social media at Missing Witches, and hit us up at missingwitches at gmail.com. Blessed be.